This is a prelude to today's episode of Into Your Head Podcast Hello. Today's episode of Into Your Head Podcast Hello is going to be dominated by a lot of me saying stuff. It's very, very me saying stuff centric today. So if you're a long term listener and you're used to shows that aren't about me saying stuff, then you might be a bit surprised. Well, a change is as good as the rest. If you're a new listener, you may be surprised to hear that this episode is just me saying stuff. Well, please, no, that's not what normally what I like the rest of the time I do interviews and oh I interview people out on the street oh I do uh, long interviews with strangers on the street so I go up to them and say hello can I interview you for my podcast and then they'll go certainly can I be interviewed by you for my podcast and I'll say no we're not doing that I don't appear on other people's podcasts that's not a thing appearing on someone else's podcast that's like that's like putting on someone else is underwear it's not on you don't do it it's not the done thing uh, so no i usually go out and i do vox pops out on the out on the main street here in wicklow town i go up to people and i say hello what issues would you like brought up on my podcast because i'm an issues driven program i go up to people and i say are you concerned about the rise in violence on the streets are you concerned about the inflation in the shops are you concerned about inflation outside of the shops in the electricity grid and the water supply and the, the internet supply I think about uh, I don't I don't worry about my internet broadband costs anymore because we generate our own I generate so much internet here that I'm a net contributor to the to the national grid in terms of internet I don't I'm not a net contributor in terms of electricity, but in terms of internet content, I'm a net contributor to the grid. I've uh, had hundreds of hours of this crap, and I've downloaded. Oh, I suppose I've downloaded more than hundreds of hours of other people's crap, but it's not a like for like thing. It doesn't really work like that. I don't know. How does it work? How does the internet work? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm. Maybe you're of the view that it doesn't, and maybe I am too. Uh, have you considered that? Well, that's exactly what I mean when I say this is usually an issues-driven program. We usually start off with five minutes of news. We say, hello, this is the news from here. Except it's not from here. We don't do the news from here. Because if you're here, you already know everything that's happening here. So I say, here's the news from outside of here. Outside of your house and outside of my house. And all the stuff happening in between. An example of that would be if it's raining outside and we've both been inside all day in our respective houses and we haven't looked out the window uh, I'd say oh here's the news regarding the rain it's raining and then I'll say here's the sport uh, it's sporting there's sporting going on because it's a weekend there's always sporting going on on the weekend the dreary Sunday afternoon Every television station has nothing but sport on. That was the case 30 years ago. Uh, now everything, every television station has nothing but nothing on. You have to go to the internet if you want anything. You have to go, Netflix, give me some crap. Uh, give me something like, oh, give me something about some some kids running around looking at strange things. Or give me some new spin-off of Star Trek about some, some fella who's got himself a... He's got got himself a little ship and he's decided to go and fly her all over the place and meet up with aliens oh, and get into all sorts of trouble or give me uh, give me the news no the netflix doesn't give you the news netflix gives you documentaries that look like you're the news they say oh here's a here's a documentary that's being made to appeal to you uh, and then you say oh this is a news issue i'm an intelligent news absorbing person you are not you're watching a netflix documentary couldn't be any further from the news than if you went up mount everest and didn't even bring your walkman you'd be fucking hell i suppose you could bring a satellite phone where your battery's going to run out cost you about a hundred euros a minute anyway i suppose you could can you record stuff onto a satellite phone and bring it with you? I suppose you can, but that wouldn't be news either, or at least it would be a week behind. I remember before the internet existed, uh, or at least before I existed 
on the internet. I went for a summer to Boston and didn't bring any internet with me at all. I was walking around Harvard Square and I saw the Sunday Independent from Ireland from a week ago on the stand there. And I said, Christ, there's a front cover there that said basically all hell had broken loose at home in Ireland. That's what I said. I didn't know about this at all. This was a week old newspaper. Might even have been two weeks. It said all hell had broken loose. Crime journalists had been brutally murdered by criminals. Uh, if you don't call that old hell is broken loose, maybe you live in a bigger country where uh, actual hell breaks loose every day and you have to have something bigger to fit it. But no, that was old hell. Point is, I didn't know about it because I didn't have, I wasn't on the internet at all. I was walking around Boston with my Walkman on listening to fucking Rush Limbaugh and Howard someone, oh, how we are and Howard Stern and some other crap. I wasn't going around looking at the news on the internet. Because that's not what happens. And it's the same with Netflix. Don't, don't kid yourself by thinking if you watch a dip documentary on Netflix that you're up to speed with the world. Don't do that. It's the same with libraries. We're going to talk about libraries later. But don't fool yourself. You're getting a book out of the library every day. Uh, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're up to date with the news. You are not. That news was written years and years ago and someone compiled it all into a book, for example, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. That's from, I remember I used to read that as a child. I didn't realise at the time, it wasn't even in my locality. It was based on another continent thousands of miles away and in another century, I think it was set in the 1800s, they had a steamboat going around and they had Huckleberry Finn and what's-his-face, uh, the other fella, Tom Sawyer, when they found a dead body or something. I remember as a child being very shocked by it. No, wait, I didn't read the book. I read a book from the series. Tom Sawyer or Huckleberry Finn were made to paint a fence or something. They were whitewashing a fence as punishment. Uh, there was nothing about the dead body in that. But I did watch the TV series thing and they, they found a dead body in that. Uh, not a real one. It was, a, it was an actor. It was someone playing a dead body. They didn't have a real dead body at all. It was a children's adventure series. You can't be putting real dead bodies in it. It's not fucking crime line or something. Even the real news on the television doesn't have real dead bodies in it most of the time. They're not actors, they just don't show them. They say, oh, there's some dead bodies over here. Look away now if you don't want to see dead bodies. They do not. Or do they? Wait a minute. I haven't watched television news in about 10 years. How would I know what the fuck they show? I assume they don't normally show dead bodies. But now that I think about her, I may have been assuming incorrectly. In fact, I think now I assume they do. I don't know. What's television like now? I don't know. I don't watch it. I don't watch television. And uh, nor should you. Anyway, on with the show. This is a further prelude to today's episode of Into Your Head Podcast. Hello. Uh, now I know what you're thinking there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago I came on and I started at the very beginning and I said, this is a further prelude. And I said, oh, you're probably wondering why I'm, why I'm calling it a further prelude. It's because I put it on before the prelude. So I played the, the further prelude first because it's further into the pre time uh, than the normal, the starting prelude. Well, I'm doing it the opposite way now. You're going to hear the prelude first, and then this, which is a further prelude, where it's further in the other direction, because we have a, oh, it's not, I might as well be flexible. What's the point in having a podcast if you can't be flexible and try out new things and do things differently? I used to always do, here's a prelude and here's a further prelude. Oh, no, wait, did I? No. Actually, now that you mention it, well, maybe I did, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, the point is, this is just a note to myself during the editing process. This, while it is called a further prelude, it's to go in after the first prelude. So it's not further into the, the pre-time. It's not it's like this, do you like? If you made a prelude and you said, this is 100 years BC, and then you made a further prelude that was 50 years BC, that would go after it, even though the number was smaller. It's only 50 years BC now. You would imagine that was earlier. And I think that was probably what I was thinking a couple of weeks ago when I did that. Uh, the only way to find out that it was wrong was to do it and have a couple of weeks listening to it and absorbing it and see how it worked out. And my conclusion 
conclusion now is that I was wrong. I should have the, the normal prelude followed by the further prelude in that order. It makes more sense. Makes more sense to me anyway. More sense to me. Maybe I'll go back and edit that previous one. Uh, so you have the further prelude after the prelude. I don't. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Maybe I already have. Maybe I've already done another show a couple of weeks from now where I say I've changed my mind again and then go back and further edit the previous episode so it's done the opposite way. Maybe I've done that. You'll never know because half the year is still stuck on some old fucking Kurt Hale's feed from before he went on. Before I went on seven year hiatus, some of you are stuck on an old feed, the remnants of which uh, only go up to about 749 episodes. Uh, you don't even know that the, you don't even know that this fucking podcast has returned. Uh, if you basically, if you're listening to this off the website and you're wondering why it's not on your feed, uh, look at your feed. It should go up to at least 801 by now. If it's at 749 or something, ah, you're subscribed to an old thing. An old thing. I'm doing my best to update them and get them connected, but I can only do so much. I'm not Superman. I'm not even that nerd who goes around programming things. No, no. I did manage to get a couple of the old feeds connected up, but they're still showing an old picture, an old album art from hundreds of episodes ago that looks like shit. So, if you're seeing one and you see an old album art that looks like shit, me sitting in front of a... Oh, me sitting in front of a red mountain with a cat on my head. Oh, no, that one was quite good. A listener Gamma Goblin sent that in. But, oh, it was good. It was just, it's tired. It's time for it to move on. Um, anyway, if, if you see that as your album art, you may be subscribed to the remnants of an old feed. Or if you see a picture of me, oh, some picture of a cat, which, uh, oh, I made a lot of pictures of cats with a yellow rubber glove in them for some reason. Uh, that's a very old picture from the remnants of a very old feed, uh, just so you know. You should probably search your your podcast directory for into your head and find a newer one. You should have a thing that's a cartoon picture of me viewed from behind, looking at a different cartoon scene every week. That's what you get. Or else you get the main pictures. It's just ah, pretty much that as well. Just so you know, you're, you're falling behind if you're not getting that. Going to all this trouble to go into the Bing image creator and type a cartoon image of... Man viewed from behind wearing a podcasting kit, uh, surrounded by cats and empty Red Bull cans, uh, looking out the window and there's an elephant looking at him. Anyway, on the show. Elephants walk into a bar. One of the elephants goes straight up to the bar counter and says, Hello, can I have a pint of your finest Guinness, please? And the man behind the bar says, No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. Uh, we usually have two cats in here and they have pints of Guinness. When you're an elephant, you're about 300 times the size of a domestic cat. You can't possibly be consuming the same, the same stuff as a cat. That's like if a... Uh, if a fly came in here and started uh, eating a, oh, a whole bunch of bananas and an ordinary human being came in as well and ate the same amount of bananas, that's ridiculous. You're living a whole different scale of size to that, those cats. So you can't be, if the cat's having a pint of Guinness, uh, you have to come up with another drink you have, or at least a different quantity. And the elephant goes, fair enough, fair enough. What quantity of drink would a human, an average size human have in here, tell me? I presume it's 200 times the size of whatever the cat has, because otherwise your scale thing is all a load of bollocks. And the man behind the bar says, oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. I should have stated that pint of Guinness would be about the, the normal standard size of beverage for the average human and that the only reason the two cats are coming in and asking for a pint of Guinness is because they think they're oh they think they're as good as us if not better they only need an egg cup full size 
cup of Guinness. Well, I'm not going to tell them that, are you? And the elephant says, I don't know. I don't know what I'll tell them yet. I barely know you. I've only just walked in here. I've never been in this bar before, but straight away you're trying telling me there's some issue with cats uh, who are also my fellow customers. I don't know about that. I'm going to keep an open mind and sit here and just watch the world go by and have my, oh, I'll have my keg of Guinness, please. And the man behind the bar says, it's a keg of Guinness you want, is it? And the elephant says, well, I would have been happy with her point. But apparently you think that's uh, that's not on the elephant scale. I have to have something bigger. So yes, a keg of Guinness fit and do it properly so that it builds up a head of foam. Because if I do that, it's not going to all fit in the other keg for one thing. And for another thing, that's probably in breach of the recommended serving instructions uh, from the Guinness company. The, the fellow who comes around here showing us how to pull a pint of Guinness has never once said if an elephant comes in here uh, obviously he's going to need a whole keg of Guinness but you're going to be cheating him if you just hand him the keg of Guinness because it's not a fucking it's not a liqueur shop where you just go in and buy a load of drink no no you have to serve it to him and the only way he can serve an elephant a keg of Guinness is by pouring it into another keg which you use as a serving vessel instead of a glass although I suppose you could get a joint glass if you have a joint glass and the elephant says no you want to distill it and serve it to be properly in a glass but you also expect me to bring my own glass what in the name of Christ is this is this some sort of a con where you get me to pay for the service but you also get me to bring my own glass and then there's some sort of drinking vessel equivalent of a corkage fee for distilling the beer that you have unstocked into my glass that you expect me to bring into you. Is that what it is? It's like the like the wine in the dining establishments, they charge a corkage. And the man behind the bar says, I wouldn't know anything about any of that, sir. I've never been to a restaurant in my life. Never been to a restaurant in my life. Unless you count this place where we serve carvery lunch from 12 to 4 p.m. and sandwiches until 8 p.m. in the bar area. No, I've never been in an eating establishment in my life. Unless you count my kitchen, I suppose, which I don't. My kitchen is my kitchen is just a tiny kitchenette. I'm not talking about the one in the bar here. That's my work kitchen. I'm talking about my home kitchen. Although now that you mention it, it's pretty much the same thing because I live upstairs. But I have a kitchen upstairs and a kitchen downstairs. Ah, really, the way this building should have been designed was to have a two-story kitchen that's shared between my upstairs apartment and my downstairs drinking establishment that I run. That would be the ideal way to do it. People obsess over this. Well, they don't obsess over this. But the architects who are designing these buildings, they say, oh, we each floor has to have a kitchen and a toilet and they all have to be in the same corner of the building lined up on top of each other underneath each other the advantage being that it has the minimum amount of piping and service water and stuff going around all over the place and pipes you can do it efficiently but it never occurs to them that you could have you could have a flexible whereby if someone buys two floors of the same building uh, you could give them the kitchen on each floor one under the other but Sella has a two-story kitchen you have a little stairs going up through the kitchen so you do all your eating and cooking downstairs and maybe upstairs you have a maybe that's where you do your 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 uh, long distance stewing no way is that what they call it no you're slow cooking here you put your slow cooker although no your slow cooker should be in the downstairs part because then i can keep an eye on it while i'm working down here in the pub and then upstairs i'd have the the kitchen stuff and then downstairs I'd have the stewing stuff and probably some other stuff as well. I'd probably put all the I'd probably put the fridge and everything else upstairs because there's already enough fridges here for the bar. We don't need the kitchen fridge. Uh, I don't know what else would I do. And then I suppose we'd have the I'd have to now I was going to say we'd have the two-story bathroom as well but that's not going to work out because that would involve me having a two-story bathroom whereby the top floor is connected into my apartment and the bottom floor is connected into the bar so I'd have a load of strangers coming into the ground floor of my two-story bath uh, why would you have a two-story bathroom with strangers coming into it that's like getting a, a buying a luxury car and filling your up with strangers I don't know or wherever you call it. Uh, 
And the elephant says, are you nearly done here? And the man behind the bar says, no, no, I'm not done at all. Oh, I could go on like this all night, preferably for at least 58 minutes. But no, I could go on about it all night, all day and all night and all day and all night. I really like my two-story bathroom idea, though. It's just not feasible. Maybe I'll move house. Maybe I'll retire from running the bar. And I'll buy a, oh, I'll buy two floors, two apartments, one under the other. And I'll make this a, oh, I'll get permission to adopt them. And it can be, a, it can be like, a, oh, what's that thing where you invent something and you make one of them just to see how it'll go? What's the word for that? Ah, you know what I mean. Ah, you know the way. They'll invent a, they'll invent a space shuttle and they'll, they'll just, they'll manufacture one uh, just to see how it works uh, before they get it ready for sale. What's that called? I don't know. Some sort of a sample. Well, no, that can, I can do that except with my two-story apartment idea. Oh, I'd buy one apartment under the other one, one on the first floor and one on the second floor. And I'd put a little stairs going up from the bottom kitchen to the top kitchen and another little stairs going from the top bathroom to the bottom bathroom. Uh, the advantage of that, of course, is that you could just get rid of the main stairs. Although there wouldn't be one, now that you mention it, because there are two separate apartments that I'm joining up. I suppose I could put in the main stairs. Well, why would you do that? There wouldn't be anywhere to put it. Uh, by their nature, these two one-story apartments would need to have a hall in one of them and a landing in the other, which I could connect by the stairs. And why would they have those? They wouldn't. And the only way you're going to make them is by chopping bits off the existing rooms. Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to have stairs going up to the kitchen and stairs going up to the bathroom. And uh, maybe if there's a bedroom upstairs and downstairs as well, I can have a two-story bedroom as well for the kids. Because uh, everyone likes having a... Kids love having a bunk bed. But that's a bit... Uh, I want to do better than that. I want to have a bunk bedroom where you have a bed upstairs and a bed downstairs. It's a two-story bedroom and there's a stairs going up to it. It'd be absolutely fucking fantastic. I remember as a child, I used to watch, I used to watch the situation comedy, different strokes. I was always very envious of the two kids in that because they got a, oh, they got one of those bunk beds, uh, except there wasn't a, there was no normal bunk bed like anything I'd seen before in my childhood here in Ireland. No, no, there was a bunk bed whereby the bottom bunk was at right angles to the top bunk and then you could have space for a little desk or something under the, under the bunk as well. So it wasn't really, wasn't really much of a space saver, but I thought, well, cool, look cool, looked absolutely fucking fantastic to me as a child. Uh, no one explained to me that those kids had just lost all five of their parents. That was why they had to move in with this man in this apartment with his cool bunk beds. Uh, I suppose I could have garnered that by watching the beginning of the show every week during which they had an opening sequence during which they showed them picking them up and bringing them home. I suppose I could have garnered it from that. But no, they didn't show the, they didn't show Arnold and Willis's parents getting gunned down or anything. So it wasn't entirely obvious. You're expected to, oh, you're expected to fill in the gaps yourself. Or else, maybe, maybe they explained at some point what happened to their parents. I don't know. Did they just get bored with them and give them up? I don't know. And now that you mention it, I can't remember anyone saying in different strokes what happened to the, the original parents. Did they get recast or something? Maybe the pilot had Willis and what's his name's real parents in it and it didn't work out so they said, oh, we'll have to recast these people, but we have a contract they've already signed up a contract these two actors who play the parents because they're they're quite well known even though we don't know who they are because there's a secrecy clause because they had a clause in their contract that if it doesn't work out after the pilot so they don't look bad so we're not and they're not they're not able ever allowed to reveal the names of the parents who were in this pilot uh, so they killed off, they killed off the characters and then did a second pilot that had your man, Mr. Drummond and the two kids. And they said, oh, we've killed off their parents and we've killed off the actors who played them as well. But we're not allowed to say that. We're only allowed to say that we killed off the parents. In fact, we're not allowed to say that we killed off the parents. We're not allowed to say that the parents are even in it in the first place. The whole premise of the whole thing now is going to be that they were dead already. They were dead as a doornail before we even started making the series. Uh, and, they, and therefore, as a result, the actors never existed. 
Ah, so we'll never know now. Nearly, nearly everyone in that programme is dead now. We're nearly all dead. All that's left is for your man. Uh, Willis is left. Uh, he's left. He has a he has a bald head now, but he's still alive, from what I understand. <sighs> anyway, on with the show. And the elephant says, hang on now a minute, hang on, and hang on a minute for Christ's sake, will you just relax now what you're get on with the show. We're in the middle of a two elephants walk into a bar story and we're having a very interesting discussion about architecture. Although to be perfectly honest, I didn't quite understand the bunk bed things. I thought bunk beds were a load of shit. I'd much, much prefer a two-story bedroom like the one outlining this idea here. Uh, although not if it meant all my parents being good down in the opening pilot. No, no, no. Oh, yes, that's what I was going to say. They reused the parents' idea in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. They had the same parents. They weren't gunned down, though. They pretended they were never killed at all in the first place. They said, oh, the mother's still here. She's alive and well. She just sent your man off to live with his rich parents, or his rich aunt and uncle. And he said, oh, this is my son. Go and wear him as one of your own cats. I assume you like cats now. Tell someone to wear your child like one of their own cats. You'll be damn sure to Christ as hell that they like cats. Because otherwise there's going to be a misunderstanding. You might as well say, raise my child as if it's a spider that's stuck in your... Whatever spiders get stuck in. What do spiders get stuck in? They don't get stuck in webs, they say, though. Maybe to go, do spiders get stuck in other spiders' webs? I don't know. Do each one of them have a slightly different ingredient in their web that no one else is able to get free from? No other spider? I don't know. Ask fucking David Attenborough. This isn't a fucking nature show. Not a nature show, and it never will be. It's never going to be a nature show. He'd be damn sure to Christ as hell in a handbasket that that's never going to happen. Uh, sorry about the bagging, incidentally. I was, ta- I was bashing my finger into the, the recording trolley and causing everything to vibrate. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I don't mean any of this. This is all a load of bollocks. Don't mean a single word of it. I might as well not have opened my mouth at all for the past 16 minutes. Because uh, it was all meaningless. Means nothing. Absolutely nothing. Means absolutely nothing to anyone, least of all me. <clears throat> anyway, on with the show. Two further elephants walk into a bar. One of the elephants goes straight up to the bar counter and says, Hello, are you hiring by any chance? You're wondering, are you hiring? I heard you had a draft in here two weeks ago. You let him make you look like an idiot in front of dozens of podcast listeners. You did all this crap. I won't spoil it for the listeners. Suffice to say, the episode two weeks ago that was called something about drafts or something... Oh, there's a big whole rigmarole about a draft in here. But no, uh, are you hiring? And the man behind the bar says, if this is your way of asking for a job, uh, you're going the wrong way about it, sonny boy. I don't go handing out jobs to elephants who come in here mocking me. Uh, mocking me like a... And the elephant says, excuse me, I'm not mocking you. It's the draft that was mocking you, the draft a couple of weeks ago. I was just making reference to that. I wasn't even embellishing the story or anything. I was just saying exactly what I've heard from a third party on a podcast about it two weeks ago. Uh, Blame him if you don't like the way your story has been reported. It's nothing to do with me. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm not even the messenger. I'm just the audience of the messenger. Anyway, have you got any jobs? And the barman says, yes, they have jaws, but not for the likes of you. And the elephant says, oh, I see. It's like that, is it? It's like that, is it? It's no elephants or Irish allowed. Do you have a sign up in the window? Because if you have, you won't have noticed. I'm an elephant. I can't read. So how would I know about that? Well, I suppose you could just tell me when I come in. You've pretty much told me, uh, in, just not in the exact words, but you might as well. You've pretty much told me you don't hire elephants. That's what you're telling me. 
and the man behind the bar says, I think I, I think I pretty much did just say I don't hire elephants. And it was the truth. I've never hired an elephant in my life. Uh, but it's not how I've had any prejudice. I've just never had an elephant come in here and apply for a job. Uh, now that an elephant is here applying for a job, that doesn't mean you have to automatically hire them. No, no. You have to be the right elephant for the job. In fact, you have to be the right candidate because you can't just say, oh, we need an elephant, but not just any old elephant. That's the one from all the elephants who have applied. No, no, because then you're discriminating against all the giraffes and cats and other things that come in. Tell me, uh, are you able to pull a pint of Guinness? And the elephant says, what's a pint of Guinness? And the man behind the bar says, oh, about about eight euros and 56 cents as of last budget night. Oh, there's a little joke for you. And the man behind the bar says, oh, that's, no, the elephant in front of the bar says, oh, that's great. Well done. Do you have a comedy night in here as well? Do you have a, do you have a big open night where you say, oh, everybody have your little comedy night and you get all the comedians in and you tell them bring eight of your friends and make sure they all pay for tickets and make sure they all bring their pet elephants so they buy loads of drink and the man behind the bar says as a matter of fact I was thinking of doing that but I'd also want to do a music night as well you can't have everything because otherwise you'd be a fucking cabaret I'm not going to have a cabaret in a place like this I mean look at it we don't even know who our target audience is we have drafts and talking cats and elephants coming in every fucking week and we're supposed to be doing it <laughs> talking about doing the cabaret out here. Okay, way out of that. This fucking shitty little backroom pub. Where do cabarets happen? Oh, no, wait, though. Where do cabarets happen? Maybe I'm just making assumptions about the whole concept of cabaret. Where do, do cabarets happen in backroom pubs? Or do they happen in theatres? Or do they happen in... Oh, maybe they happen in gambling hotels in Chicago or the other... Not Chicago, the other place. What's the other place in America that's not Chicago? Las Vegas. That's what it is. Or as the locals call it, lost wages. Oh, oh, oh that, that's another little joke for you. Uh, but nobody loses their wages. They give them away. They go up in there with their... That's like saying uh, when you come out and get your paycheck on a Friday, assuming you're an elephant to get a job and not you, uh, you go in, oh, you get your paycheck on a Friday and then you go to the supermarket and do a hundred euros worth of shopping. You don't come out and say, oh, I lost my wages in there. I lost my wages. You did not. You spent it. You spent what you did. You spent it. It was exactly what they're for. But you don't come in and say, oh, I had a hundred euros and I I've lost it in the supermarket. He did not. He did no such thing. So that's why they shouldn't call the, call it lost wages. It's a stupid pun anyway. Surely to Christ they can come up with better, something better than that for Las Vegas. Have you ever been to Las Vegas? And the elephant says, I don't think so, no. I've never been to America, in fact. It's quite difficult for an elephant to travel on his own. I'm vision impaired for one thing. It's hard to find my way around an airport these days. And for another thing... Uh, I put my the other my other friend the other elephant here would be happy to come with me, but unfortunately it turns out it's even more difficult for two elephants to travel on a plane than it is for one elephant to travel on a plane. Uh, I know the, the irony of it. The irony of it is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. They'd probably put us in the luggage hold with the dogs and the cats and everything else. Although would that be so bad? I don't know. I presume they have some law. If they have some law saying the, the cage has to be of a certain mi minimum size and they leave some nice food in with us, maybe it would be alright. I don't know. Do they have oxygen down there in the in the hold or you just have to make do until until you get down below. Do they dip down for the long haul flight? Maybe they just bring the plane down towards the sea every 20 minutes or so so you can get a bit of air so the pressure goes back to normal and you can breathe oxygen and then they go back up just in case anyone's trying to keep alive in the hold. Uh, maybe they do that. That would still be shit though to be That's probably something 
an airline would come up with something like that and think they're being great. They would say, oh, we're, we're treating your elephant like the king. Uh, we're giving them, we're not only are we putting them in the hole in a huge cage, uh, every 26 minutes or so our pilot, uh, if he deems it safe to do so, and if he's not behind on time, he'll dip a couple of thousand square feet or whatever you call them. He'll lose altitude a bit and go down till he's just a, just over the sea uh, to where all the cabin pressure is normal and the proper oxygen and then he lets your elephants breathe for a minute or two and then he goes back up wait a minute would that even work is that what happens i don't know is there suddenly is there suddenly breathable air in the hold if you go down close enough towards sea level i've no idea i've no idea i've never traveled in a cargo hold uh, i've never even traveled in the in the cabin of a cargo plane do they even have one these cargo planes they have a Oh, they have where all the seats are. They're called a hold, or is it called a converted cabin, or is it called, I don't know, is it more like the back of a van, or more like the basement of a of a passenger plane? Because they're not the same thing, you know. The basement of a passenger plane where they put all the luggage, that's a far cry from being a cabin with no seats, I can tell you. If you had a cabin with no seats down there as, as your uh, luggage hold, Oh, people would say, oh, that's the height of luxury for your luggage. Isn't it great? Absolutely fantastic. Keep your luggage under proper air and pressure and stuff. Although now, wait a minute. I should know better than this because I've seen I've seen all 21 seasons of air crash investigation. So I should know, I should know, know damn well that the pressure in, in the cabin has to be kept exactly the same as the pressure in the luggage hold. Uh, otherwise, the hole bursts through or something. Oh, no, wait. Didn't I see something else, though, where they have some kind of vents, to, where they have some sort of vents in the floor? Or beside the windows, beside the passenger seats, and that lets through some of the air or something, or lets the pressure balance or something. Now that you mention it, I can't remember whether you can breathe in the luggage hold or not. I just remember they've they've taken care of it so that wherever it is, uh, it's done in such a way that the floor of the plane doesn't collapse. So I suppose that's good. I suppose that's good. Well, if that's the case, why have there been 20 seasons of air crash investigation? That's what I'd like to know. And the elephant says, now bear in mind though, wait a minute now, you say 20 seasons, but uh, every January for the last few years, they've done a season that's been just being compilations, they've done a different subject every week and done bits of old shows. And the barman says, no, I'm not counting those towards the 20 seasons, they're, they're done under another name, they don't count towards that. In January they do that. I think it's called Air Crash Investigation Special Report or some crap like that. But they give them their own season numbers. There's been three or four of them now. I'm not counting them towards the 20 seasons that I'm claiming to have seen of Air Crash Investigation. In fact, I don't even like those ones. They're a rip they're a rip-off. They're just they're like the young or the young people who like to watch three minute YouTube videos all day. They break them all up. The real air crash investigation, as far as I'm concerned, the only real air crash investigation is the one where you get 45 minutes that starts with some people saying look we're about to show a cool air crash and then they show the air crash and then they show the investigation uh, not these fucking ones where they go there's been several planes that have crashed into one another here we're going to show you bits of previous shows that show five different crashes but not tell you enough about them to, for, to make it satisfying no 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 that's just not that's just not satisfying at all and the elephant says is it me speaking or you now and uh, the man says uh, am I the man behind the bar and the elephant says yes you are I can tell because you're still standing behind the bar there look and the man behind the bar says and you're the elephant are you and the elephant says yes indeed I am but oh yes I remember now I'm not the same elephant as earlier though because didn't I say two further elephants walk into a bar and I'm the one who's looking for a job oh that's right I'm the elephant who's looking for a job I got off to a bad start by supposedly mocking you about the draft a couple of weeks ago but no no I was just I was just reporting what I heard from the draft about what the way he was mocking you and I was telling you don't shoot the messenger 
And the man behind the bar says, oh, that's funny you should mention that. I do have a vacancy for a messenger. And the elephant says, Christ, no, I'm not going to come work for someone who wants to be reminded not to shoot the messenger as a messenger. Jesus, what do you think I'm a moron? Uh, the only way I would come and work for you as a messenger now is if I could forget what he just said about shooting the messenger. Well, I know why he said this, but you didn't deny wanting to shoot the messenger. And the only way I would come and work for you as a messenger now is if I actively was able to forget the fact that you didn't say you wouldn't shoot the messenger. And that's not going to happen. As you know, elephants have very good memories. We never forget. We never forget a fucking thing. And the man behind the bar says, wait a minute, we just spent five minutes trying to remember what we did at the beginning of this story. And the elephant and says, and I remembered all of it, didn't I? And the man behind the bar says, yes, I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. Would you like a job as a customer? And the elephant says, now what would that entail? And the man behind the bar says, well, you'd have to pay your own expenses, but you'd also get some fine beverages served to you on a plate. And the elephant says, will there be peanuts? And the man behind the bar says, there already are peanuts. They don't just suddenly come into existence just because you take the job. There's, there are peanuts. There always have been peanuts. And there always will be peanuts. From now until the end of time, there'll be peanuts everywhere. Peanuts all over the place. Uh, peanuts in this half-empty can of Monster Energy drink. Uh, peanuts. Oh, peanuts in this harmonica. Hopefully they don't get in through the holes and clog her up. Peanuts in this... Ah, oh, peanuts. Where? Where else are the peanuts? Peanuts in this in this orange baseball cap that I wear indoors uh, to keep the light off my eyes. Uh, peanuts in... Uh, no, don't put peanuts in there. That's a fucking toilet. Don't put peanuts in the toilet. At least because... Uh, well, not least because. That's why. Not least because. Anyway, on with the show. Into your head. Two air crash investigators walk into a bar. One of the air crash investigators goes straight up to the bar counter and says, Who did it? Who did it? And the man behind the bar says, Oh, that was one of the elephants, sir. Sorry about that. He was a bit upset. To be perfectly honest, I gave him reason to be, but he was a bit upset. I'm going to go and clean it up now, though. Or I'll get my, I'll get my assistant to go and do it. I'll get my, what did I say I was calling them? Oh, I don't know. My assistant, anyway, who I'll hire. Oh, what's the word I said earlier? The, the elephant said, oh, oh yes, the messenger, the messenger thing. I'll get the messenger to clean it up. And, uh, oh, the air crash investigator says, oh, you have a messenger in the pub. That's very, in that's very interesting. And the man behind the bar says, it really isn't. It's so uninteresting. It took me ages to even remember the word messenger. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. Oh, it's just another word for a dog's body. Except it's not a dog's body. It's an elephant's body. Uh, except it's not an elephant's body either. It just reminds me of an elephant's body. It's a... Oh, wait, it is an elephant's body. That's something was wrong about it, isn't it? I hired an elephant to be my messenger earlier on. His friend had actually come in looking for a job. He's, I said no. And then I said, yes, would you like to be the messenger? And he said, oh, for my dead body... And I said, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go and get your dead body. You're not dead for one thing. I'm just going to go down there to your friend at the other end of the bar who's drunk. The one time elephants forget things is when they're drunk. So I'm going to ask him, uh, would he like a job as a messenger? And you're going to forget to tell him not to take it because you're going to be drunk too. Because here's a, because uh, you're going to drink this keg of Guinness. And then the elephant, oh, the elephant then who was in here said, you're a bit confused, Bob man. Uh, I'm not the elephant who was in in the first two elephant story looking for a keg of Guinness. I'm the elephant who was in here looking for a job after that. We're not the same elephant at all. We're not even remotely the same elephant. Uh, you think all elephants are the same, don't you? You think we're all the same? You see one coming in here looking for a pint of Guinness and then you see one in here looking for a job but who doesn't want to take a job as a messenger because he thinks you're going to shoot the messenger. Everywhere there's a need for a part in society for an elephant you just see oh that's the fellow who plays all the elephants he's a character actor of some sort he's a bit like that irish fella uh donald something david kelly r.i.p in the 
Uh, in the new version of Willy Wonka, he was the Irish kind of grandfather who, who went in. Oh, he went into the factory with Charlie and was able to walk again and stuff. Uh, he was kind of a character actor. He used to be in loads of soaps and sitcoms. It's the same Irish fellow over and over and over and over again. Uh, and then he went and made his name in Hollywood for about a year and then died. Uh, so no, that's yeah, that's what that's what you think elephants are. You think elephants, you think it's just one fella going around playing the elephant part everywhere. And the man behind the bar says, Do you remember that Irish fella in an episode of Forty Towers? He was a dodgy builder and he came in. Was that the same fella? And the uh, investigator says, I can't be certain now because you have to keep another, an open mind. You have to look at all the elf evidence. But I think so. I think that's the same fella. And the man behind the bar says, You were about to say elephant instead of evidence, weren't you? And the... Uh, Ah, the air crash investigator says, yes, I was, yes, I was, you're right. It's been a bit of a long week, you know, we've been investigating this. Uh, I don't want to be indiscreet, but I've been investigating an air accident involving a plane and some passengers and some pilots and some luggage. Basically, it fell out of the sky onto the ground prematurely. I mean, all, all flights are supposed to end with the plane somewhat gracefully falling out of the sky, but it is falling out of the sky. Let's not fool ourselves. The whole system of air travel is about falling off the ground and up into the sky and then falling down into the ground again the right point and at just the right speed to not fucking get crumpled up. That's what air travel is about. Uh, we try to make it seem posh by having we give everyone cocktails and we put on Oh, we put in the in-flight entertainment and we have a, we put their suitcases in a pressurised hold that has uh, no seat but has a floor and you can easily rest an elephant down there. And the amount they charge for your luggage, you can tell they think it's an elephant. Oh, that's a little joke for you. Uh, anyway, yes, that's, that's right. Whatever you said is right. Whatever you said is right. No, I was investigating this air crash. There was a film crew in, they were investigating the air crash too, but they were they weren't really investigating it. They were filming me investigating it, uh, except not exactly that either, because they had an actor in there. They're going to have an actor playing me in the reconstruction. Uh, so why they were filming me in the first place, I don't know if they're just going to film a, a reenactment. I suppose they were filming me because they show me in the interview parts, but they don't show me as myself. To get an actor in to play me as myself, should they not just interview the actor then as well? I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll have a DVD extra for each episode of Air Crash Investigation where they interview the actors who played the Air Crash Investigation people and then they interview the actors who played the pilots, uh, half of whom end up dead 10 minutes into the episode. So that could be the DVD extra. Or maybe that could be the next series. Because after the season 21, they're going to run out of plane crashes. So they're going to have to have a new format. I suggest they go back through all the old air crashes and have interviews with the oh with the people who made the reenactments that would be fantastic absolutely they could put them in a real plane as well and then you get pilots like myself oh no i'm not a pilot i'm an air crash investigator although presumably if i'm an air crash investigator i must be qualified as a pilot as well or why would they put me in here unless maybe i'm a trainee air crash investigator uh, I'm not very senior. I hope I didn't imply that I was senior when I came in and said I'm an air crash investigator. Hopefully not, because I'm not. I don't want to misrepresent myself. I'm a very junior member of the air crash investigating team. You come in here to be trained. Uh, I know it's a bit weird, but they train you in how to do air crashes before they train you in how to be a pilot. Maybe they're training me how not to do air crashes. How do you think about it? That would make more sense. You know, I'm start, I'm suddenly starting to click. I've been six months now in, in, in here in my training program. I just realised, yeah, that's now it makes sense. They're showing me all these air crashes and how they happened and having me helping the investigations. I think what they're doing is training me in how not to crash a plane when I eventually come on. Well, that's kind of, that seems kind of self-defeating because if you're an air crash investigating team and you're training your new employees not to crash planes when they go on to become pilots, that's like the, that's like the tiger eating its own head. 
Or what is it? What's that famous tattoo? Uh, I have one. I have one. Uh, I've one with a panther with a, a snake wrapped around him, and the panther thinks he's killing the snake, and the snake is oh, the snake is choking the panther to death. They're all basically going to end up dead, supposedly. I say, I say, end up dead. Well, I've had this about twenty years, and it's still there. They're both still alive. The panther and the elephant are both still alive as they ever were. So I don't know about that. Anyway, then the air crash investigator says, Ah, you know, now that I've realised all this, I probably shouldn't be drinking on the job. I shouldn't be drinking on the job. It's ridiculous. I'm in a position of responsibility here. I should. Please take back this pint of Guinness. Please take it back. And the man behind the bar says, That's not yours, sir. That, That belongs to the man over there. See the man over there. Way over there. Way, 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 way over there. And the elephant says, Oh, he's not that far away at all. He's just, he's right beside my tail. And the man behind the bar says, No, that doesn't seem very far away to you, but to me it is. Because you're very big, so uh, your tail, your tail is all the way down the other end of the bar there. And to, to us, that's a long way away. To you, that's just him sitting right next to you or behind you. Maybe he can't get to here. Maybe he was trying to get here to collect his point and he couldn't because it's a fucking elephant blocking off the whole side of the bar. Has that ever occurred to you? And the elephant says, No, it hasn't. But if I had, I'd be quite happy to move out of move out of his way. Don't have to be an arsehole about it. You just say, excuse me, sir elephant. I know you don't realise this, but you're blocking off that man from coming up and getting his point. I suppose why don't you just take the point and slide it down along the bar, like your man in cheers does when the uh, when the fat fellow with the curly hair comes in, uh, your man Ted dancing. Uh, every day night he used to well every week he used to uh, get a pint of beer and slide it along the bar and it would land just as your man was reaching his stool and the uh, man behind the bar says uh, I'm sure that was very impressive sir but that was all an act bar- barmen don't do that in real life for one thing it's very irresponsible you can't be throwing around drinks when you're the barman that's fucking ridiculous absolutely fucking ridiculous there's no there'll be no tr- sliding drinks around throwing them around up and down the bar and the air crash investigator says Oh, I wasn't suggesting they'd be thrown. I was just saying they'd be slid along, like you would a bowling ball along the tracks. A bit like that. And the man behind the bar says, You want me to throw bowling balls around now? Is that it? You want me to throw bowling balls around in a place where there's already an elephant blocking off the whole... Do you know you're a fire hazard, elephant? You're a fucking fire hazard. Are you flammable? And the elephant says, I don't know. What does flammable mean? Does it mean enrageable? Does it mean I can be easily inflamed? And the man behind the bar says, Something like that. Something like that, except with real flames. For example, if I were to set you on fire right now, would you would you burn or would you just, I don't know, would you just go, oh, my head is itchy and then pat yourself on the head and put out the fire and never think of it again. And when I say never think of it again, I don't mean because you're dead from burning to death. I mean, never think of it again because it had such a little impact on you. And the elephant says, how long have you been thinking of all this stuff? I have to say to an elephant, have you been waiting years for an elephant to come into the bar just so you could say all this shit to him? Have you been practicing it into your head? Or have you just been doing it since that giraffe got the better of you two episodes ago? I thought, next time, next time a giraffe comes in here, I'm going to be ready for him. But then you looked up, oh, you looked up some statistics textbook and you saw statistically it's far more likely that an elephant will come in here soon rather than a giraffe. Uh, for some reason, just something to do with the law of averages. And you thought, oh, right, so I'm going to be ready for the elephant when he comes in. Is that what you thought? And the man behind the bar says, I'm always ready for elephants, sir. I'm ready for elephants and giraffes and cats and humans and anyone else who comes into the bar. Everyone is as welcome as everyone else. I'm not fantasising about setting them on fire. No, no, no. Or throwing bowling balls around. You're the one who wants me to throw bowling balls around. And the elephant says, I don't want you to throw bowling balls around. I'm just suggesting that if I'm blocking your man from coming up and getting his point, uh, one possible solution 
solution would you f- be for you to slide the glass along to him along the bar? And the man behind the bar says, another solution would be for you to get out of the fucking way. And the elephant says, another solution would be for you to take the glass and carry it along your side of the bar until you get to that end of the bar where the man is waiting for his drink and he's paying you a small fortune to say serve him. And the man behind the bar says, you've no idea what that man is paying me, sir. You've no idea, no idea. If you did, you'd say it. Uh, you're trying to pretend that you know. But if I asked you now how much it was, uh, you'd probably say, oh, I know, but I forget. I don't forget. I didn't write down the amount, but I did find out the amount that he paid you. And I straight away, you know what I'd say to that? I'd say, an elephant never forgets. If he knew the amount, he wouldn't forget it and he'd be able to tell me now. And then the elephant says, it says eight euros and 64 cents. And the man behind the bar says, no, it's a trick question. I haven't given him his tab yet. He hasn't even got his first drink yet. And the elephant says, oh, that's, that's very clever. That's really torn me down a strip, hasn't it? You've uh, put me back in my place as a lowly... Wait, wait a minute, though. I'm not an elephant. I'm an air traffic investigator. And the man behind the bar says, well, you look like an elephant to me. Have you forgotten that you're an elephant? And the air crash investigator says, No, I haven't forgotten that I'm an elephant. It's just not my identity. I don't go around saying I'm an elephant to everyone, even though I am. I say I'm an air crash investigator. A very junior one, admittedly, but I'm an air crash investigator. That's my role in society. And someday I'm going to be a pilot. And the man behind the bar says, a pilot for the new version of Air Crash Investigator. Is it a pilot episode? And um, the elephant says, probably, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how television works. I don't know how television works. Do they have pilots? I don't know. Wasn't there that thing called Wings? Wasn't that about pilots? I think so. I never seen it. I remember it being on at one point and it seemed to be about a some sort of little airport or something. I presume they have planes. Do they have planes in little airports in America? I'm not sure. There's a little airport in Kilkenny that doesn't have planes. They just have... Oh, I looked it up. It says Kilkenny Airport, but they only have... Oh, they have parachutes and hang gliders or something, and that's it. I don't think you can even take off from there. Well, maybe you could if you could figure out how to take off on a parachute. Can you take off on a parachute? Maybe you can. Maybe it's physically possible and they just don't let you because it's too unpredictable. Can you get a parachute and have it? Oh, you probably hold her up. If you have a long arm, you can hold the parachute up above your head and then run. Run along the runway a bit. And then when you get a bit of a wind going, it'll blow up the parachute and you'll take off. You probably take off upside down. I don't know. Is that how parachutes work if you're using them to take off? And then you have another parachute for when you want to land. Because obviously you'll have to you'll have to destroy that parachute so it doesn't so you don't flow her way across the Atlantic on it because uh, it's not that it's the wrong type of parachute it's a takey offy parachute and you need a landy a landing parachute to get back down I suppose that wouldn't be a problem though it's normal for even traditional parachuting it's normal to have a spare parachute in case one doesn't work so there you go that's how airports work now uh, I know what you're thinking there you're thinking Oh, air crash investigation. That sounds like an interesting programme. I think I'd like to go and watch that. Where is it on? Uh, well, I would answer that. Uh, were you to have the decency to ask me directly instead of just thinking it, I would say it's on the supposedly on the National Geographic channel and supposedly also on Disney Plus. Uh, but they took them all down off Disney Plus about a month after I discovered them. So they're nowhere now. It's like they just disappeared from the sky airwaves, uh, just like many of the planes. Oh, 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 that's a little joke for you. A little joke. It's not by me. I'm quoting someone. I wouldn't make a joke like that. I don't believe in joking about air crashes. Very serious, very, 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 very serious topic. So no, there'll be no joking about air crash investigation from me. It'll only be from fictional elephants and barmen. That's all. And in the barman's defence, he was made fun of by an elephant plenty, two episodes ago. So he's got heavy right to make fun of an air crash investigator, especially if he looks a bit like the elephant who had come in earlier uh, mocking him for being mocked by an elephant and claiming that he was just shooting the messenger although to be fair 
the man behind the bar did then imply that he was going to shoot the messenger. Or did he? Here's a, here's a listener comprehension question for you. Did the man in this week's bar story threaten to shoot the elephant? Uh, should he become a messenger or apply for the job as a messenger? Did he or did he not? And no cheating by going back and listening to it now. Uh, you listen to it the first time and you get it right. I listened to this once and I write down all the show notes in one go because I'm a listener. I listen to things. I practice all day by listening to podcasts and audiobooks. And then I make my own podcast and then I'm all ready to listen to it. I've got listener comprehension up the hilt. I've, I got a 95% in listener comprehension English in my Google leaving exams. Except I didn't because he didn't have one. He had an English oral, I think. Oh no, they didn't even have that. He only had oral exams for foreign languages. They just assumed that you could speak English. Here's some uh, reader comprehension and you'd be reading. You'd read a paragraph and they would ask you questions about it and you'd demonstrate that you understood it. Well, here's a re- here's a listener comprehension. Did that barman threaten to, uh, whatever you said he was threatening to do, shoot the messenger and if he did threaten to shoot the messenger was he doing it in a way that was obviously in jest or did it seem to be a threat and here's a further research project if it did seem to be a threat uh how would that start would that uh, be taken by the courts as something he could be put in jail for or be at least be made liable in a, in a civil trial. So there's your homework for you. You do that now. You go off about your business and do that. And I'll let this crap into uh, some sort of a podcast that can be listened to. And then we'll meet back here next time and we'll do it all over again except you'll be listening properly this time. Because you have to, there's no point me saying all this stuff if you're not going to listen. I mean, what in the name of Christ is that about? Might as well just be talking to myself. I'm sitting here in a room on my own talking to myself, you an imaginary listener, and asking him what was going to be some of the imaginary elephant if he took a job as a messenger. And what was going to happen in the imaginary court system? Well, it's not an imaginary court system at all. The court system is very real, and the laws in this country are very real. The fact that the elephant is a fictional example should not put you off trying to learn and comprehend. Storytelling is, has always been a way we, something we use to understand the real world. We don't just do it frivolously just to pass the time. People have been writing stories on the walls of caves since the dinosaur age. Era. They were telling us serious things about the nature of their understanding of the cosmos. They weren't just, oh, it wasn't just a, we'll draw a two cats walking to a bar story except with an elephant and a couple of giraffes and we'll put it on the back of the cave and it'll be quite entertaining for someone 500,000 years from now who's trying to figure out what we did all day. We have already figured out what we did it all day. Half of them went out hunting buffalo. The other half went out trying to find wild cabbages to make with the buffalo. And then the third half of them went out looking for water. And the rest of them just sat around the fire. Sat around the fire. They weren't being lazy or anything. It was just, I used to think they were the people who stayed at home keeping the fire going were being lazy. Uh, but then I read a number of books about having on a thing where I've read a lot of audiobooks about Mount Everest and K2. And every exhibition that you go up, uh, there's always some fella who gets up extra early or get back, gets back to the camp before everyone else and he spends three hours uh, lighting a fire and trying to heat the water so it's warm enough to make a cup of tea. And it's considered a very important role. As people get back from a hard day at the summer and they get pissed off if he hasn't got a hot cup of tea for them and the fire going. So no, it's a very important thing. So let's not dismiss it like that. Do not dismiss it. If anyone is going to be dismissed from this as me, I'll say, no, if anyone's going to be doing the dismissing as me, I'll say, I'll dismiss you by saying something like, anyway, good morning. Although I haven't said that for most of the last several episodes, because I forgot to record myself saying, anyway, good morning, uh, by the time I realised that.
I left my spare room where I do the recording. I dismantled my portable setup and gone into my computer in a public area where I do not wish to record me myself saying anyway good morning in front of everyone because I won't want to look like a moron for one thing. And for another thing, you'll be able to tell that I'm in a different room in a different time and it won't be authentic. You can't just come along and do the anyway good morning uh, in another room. You might as well. Oh, you might as well be what's his name uh one of them travel travel programs one of them travel programs and the fellow comes on and he does oh we're in we're in johannesburg now look let's do half an hour traveling around johannesburg and then they do the closing credit and they show him saying anyway goodbye for this week but he's standing in front of the empire state building no no that would just that would make him lose all credibility he'd have to explain her way maybe he could say uh, he's back from the from the filming journey now he's back at their studios in new york uh but his studios are his studios are flooded because someone blocked the toilet someone blocked the upstairs bathroom toilet and they're all leaked into the downstairs bathroom toilet so both of the toilets are banjacks so he has to go out and film his uh, he has to go out and film the end of his uh, report outside on the streets of New York uh, in front of the Empire State Building. And you say, anyway, goodbye from Johannesburg. And you're thinking, why would the toilet flooding stop him from having said, anyway, goodbye from Johannesburg while he was still filming on location in Johannesburg? Well, that's a good question. Maybe he just forgot. Maybe he just forgot. He was busy with doing the meat of the programme. If you go around making a programme, uh, you concentrate on the the meat of the programme, the content. You don't spend the whole fucking thing thinking about, oh, what way am I going to say goodbye at the end of it? You do not. No more than you figure out how you're going to say hello at the beginning of it. You do not. You worry about the middle. The middle. That's why they say you don't judge a book by its cover. They say never judge your book by its cover judge the reader who's judging the book by its cover because that reader is a fucking idiot i remember when i was a child we had a we had a bookcase stuffed with hardback books and there was a set of children's classic literature volume two of ten had a picture i drew on the inside cover for i thought was the the stairs in the house that I lived in when we were five. I thought it was a very real, I was very proud of it. I drew the stairs. I drew a line going down and then a line going across and then another line going down and then another line going across and then a line going down, etc. And I did this on the inside cover of, uh, I think it was volume two of the set of children's 10 books that came with the Collier's Encyclopedia. I think that's what it was anyway. I thought it was great. Nobody else seemed very impressed. These books, they were partially illustrated, but they're rather tedious. Uh, are they rather tedious? if you don't mind me saying so. But no, you judge, don't judge a book by its cover. Just don't, because the book is... Uh, they judge, you judge the marketing people in the book company by the cover. You judge the author by what he writes inside. And then you judge his editor by what he's writing inside, of, whether it's full of typos or spelling errors. He judges editor for that. And then if there's stains on the pages, oh, you judge the bookseller for that. And or whoever had it out of the library last. Do people still take books out of libraries? And do they still bring them back? Because if they're just taking them out, then they're going to run out of them. And But they're all going to have all these books. If enough people... The library system is going to have to end at some point. I think the graceful way to happen would be for them to abolish non-returning books fines and tell everyone, oh, just keep taking out books every couple of weeks and don't bring them back until they're all gone. And then when they're all gone, uh, the whole uh, it'll be like it'll be like a distributed uh, system. Then all the oh, all the books will be distributed around to everyone's houses. They'll still be officially part of the library. So we'll all have our own little mini home libraries. And we'll have a system online where we trade them and we swap them around. And it'll be like a virtual library and there'll be no need for the actual physical library then. It'll be like a, it'll be like a bit like a distributed denial of service attack. Except, no, that's not the thing I'm trying to think of. It's like a distributed something. Uh, one of those, it'll be a bit like one of those 
things that they that everyone thinks they use for illegal downloading. What's the called? The, ah, you know, the thing where everyone fires up a thing and you download a few bits of the movie from one place and a few bits of the movie for another place and they all add up. How will be like that except for real books? The internet will just be for the arrange the, the exchange of them. And then I'll tell you, that'll put a stop to all the people who say uh, that's just that downloading system should be illegal because it's only used by criminals. People who read books are not criminals. The one, at the moment, the ones who have books out from the library that they don't bring back, those are criminals. Uh, but when we have our graceful end to the library era and allow these people to bring their books home, uh, then they'll be, they'll be perfectly legal. They'll be perfectly legal and it'll be all fine. It'll be all, everything will be absolutely fucking hunky-dory. Isn't that great? Eh, that's absolutely fucking fantastic way to run the country. It's that system I'm trying to remember the name of. BitTorrent. Say, yeah, you know, the file sharing thing. The sharing thing where they, they file share. It's BitTorrent. Uh, why am I trying to think of a word for file sharing when I can just use the words file and sharing and it's perfectly obvious what they mean? Uh, but for some reason, you, oh, you people have me thinking I have to come up with a so-called proper word for it. I'm you during the editing process and the word is BitTorrent, you moron. Absolutely fucking perfect. Ah, uh, so stop. Stop it. Uh, just stop it. Anyway, good morning. Good morning.